Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. Humanity once believed we were gods. With what this planet now faces, they will believe again. Eternals assemble. What's the plan? We fight. Welcome to Dissecting This Fiction, a podcast where we discuss the latest in movies, TV, and games. Because we're always DTF, and you should be too. I'm your host, Steven. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And this is The Anatomy of the Eternals. Yeah. So get ready for a spoiler-filled conversation about what the fuck happened with the Eternals, what it means for the past, present, and future of the MCU, and any twists that came along the way. Yeah, we're going to dig right in and cut through all of the dirty little details for you and hopefully be ready for the next movie. (laughs) Which would be, I guess, Spider-Man No Way Home, huh? Yep. I think so. I don't know if this would really tie into that in any way, It probably way, does. Though. It probably doesn't. Maybe. It, there might be some... It depends what's happening with Spider-Man. If Sony's trying to get the character back, I'm going to say no. If not, I think this could directly tie in to something that they're doing. Yeah, that's true. Based off some of the doohickeys involved in this movie. Doohickeys. Yeah. <laughs> So this is your spoiler warning. Yes. We will be talking about everything involved in this movie. Yes. If you haven't seen it yet, stop this. Go watch it and come back. Yeah. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, go listen to our spoiler free review on our previous episodes. That works. Then watch it. Yes. (laughs) Then come back. Then come back here. Yeah. We'll be waiting. We're going to sit in these chairs the whole time. I was going to say digitally waiting, but not... (laughs) Not physically. Literally yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, huh? Yeah. We're, we're almost there. Movie three of four, right? Yep. That Black Widow, uh, Shang-Chi, Eternals. Mm-hmm. We got one more and this Marvel extravaganza year is almost over. Yeah. Not including Disney Plus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. Yes. <laughs> so this came out on November 5th. Uh, it was directed by Chloe Zhao. And she also wrote the screenplay with Patrick Burley, Ryan Furpo, and Kaz Furpo. And it is based on the uh, Eternals characters from the comics created by Jack Kirby. With probably some... There's some modifications compared to the comics, of course, as there usually are with the MCU. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely familiar with the Eternals comics. I know of some of the characters that have shown up in infinity gauntlet and stuff like that some of the comics i've read mm-hmm. uh so i don't know a lot of their backstory but i definitely know that there's a big change to these characters in yeah. this movie that they aren't in the comics yes so we'll talk about that yeah uh but overall i think this movie got me really excited to go back and kind of dive into these characters in the comics yeah, there definitely is a. It's an interesting idea to have these characters having been present on Earth for who knows how long. Um, so just the general overview of what happens in the movie is you've got the Eternals were sent to Earth by the Celestials and and instructed to protect the inhabitants from the Deviants. Um, and after defeating the last Deviants, they believe in the 1500s they go their separate ways and kind of assimilate into society and just live here on Earth. 
um, for centuries. Pretty much they're waiting around to get the phone call to come home, right? Yeah, yeah. They're just like, well, he didn't say to come home yet, so I guess we're just going to hang out here. Which is like weird. I thought that was a very weird idea. Like, yeah. What are they waiting for then? Yeah. Don't, shouldn't you be questioning what you're waiting for if you, your mission is deemed complete? Exactly. So hundreds of years later, the deviants resurface and they have to get the group back together to save humanity again. Only this time there's a, air quotes, new enemy. <laughs> um, which we'll get into that. But let's start off with... Um, of the characters and we'll talk we'll just briefly mention their powers because everybody as we maybe if you've noticed they all seem to have a different power um ajak is the leader of the group played by selma hayek she can heal herself and others and she's also the bridge between the eternals and the celestials because she has the like i'm gonna call it the sphere of leadership i'm pretty sure that's not what it's called but since she's the prime eternal it's felt right to call it the sphere of leadership i'm surprised you didn't go with matrix of leadership. i know right <laughs> Um, and she was Optimus Prime the whole time. <laughs> the ultimate crossover for you. Um, and then we have Icarus, who was played by Richard Madden. He can fly and project, I'm using quotes here, project cosmic energy beams from his eyes. Okay, so he has laser eyes is really what, what that yeah. means. But that's their way of explaining um, how he's different from Superman, I guess. <laughs> Which is um, interesting that they... They referenced him being Superman in this, right? They yeah. They had like a, a meta moment where yes. a kid calls him Superman. Yeah. He's like, I don't uh, wear a cape or something Yeah, he like responds. He's, yeah, he's like, I saw you. You had a cape and you were flying. He's yeah. like, I don't have a cape. Yeah. I saw in some interview, some social media thing that said that they actually based his portrayal of the character on Zack Snyder's Superman, um, which... I was getting those vibes the entire time. Oh, of course. Um, I mean, it's hard not to. It's just, hard not to. Just based off the power set of you No, know, just like how stiff he was in moving whenever he flew. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. just like a certain thing that I was like, this is familiar. And then I finally hit me and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, okay. He's a, he's a stiff flyer. Yeah. <laughs> and Cersei is played by Gemma Chan and she can manipulate or transform matter by touch. Basically, anything that's an inanimate object can be changed into something else if she touches it. I guess it's of her choice, too. Well, I mean, any object, right? Because later on, we see her fuck up a deviant. Yes. And that's... True, but that's a new development in her character. According to her, she doesn't know that that's a thing she can do yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, she thinks it's just... In, she makes a reference early on that it's too bad I can only do inanimate things yeah. or whatever. Um, so is it safe to say then that that bus that she turns into a bunch of flowers didn't yeah. have people on it other I, than a driver? I guess. Because we see it turn into a bunch of flowers. Yeah. And you don't see any people There's no fly people. Out. So I'm like thinking to myself, did she just turn a lot of people into flowers? Yeah. It, it's a, it was confusing. At the very least, where did the driver go? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe she did have the time. They had the ability. Maybe she had the ability to turn people into flowers the whole time. She's and like, she just oh, didn't I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> and I definitely don't know how to reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Sprite, who is played by Leah McHugh, and she can project illusions using mm-hmm. cosmic energy. Yeah, she. I think she uses lemon as lemon and limes. No. To fight off the foes. No. <laughs> And she is unique amongst the Eternals in that she takes the form of a younger 
and like a I don't know I wouldn't say child but like a preteenish age. I mean yeah she's she's yeah. a child. Okay, she doesn't. I mean she's not like a toddler is what I was trying to say. Yeah, she's, she's like, like <laughs> I don't know like what like fourteen fifteen. Yeah, I would say early teens is what it seems like to me, and she has a lot of frustration about that, which we'll get into later. <laughs> um, and Thena, who is played by Angelina Jolie, she's basically her. Her power is that she's a really great warrior and she can project magical weapons from her body at any point, um, which was pretty fucking cool, in my opinion. Is she supposed to be Athena? Like, is, is are they making the joke because people say she's Athena, but she's not? Or is it she is the character of Athena, but they've just changed her name from what it was supposed to be? I think that she is the, pe- the person in that time that they thought was Athena, that they called Athena. I mean, I would argue that the the Greek goddess Athena was yeah. created because yes. of her. Right, not that's, that's what I'm saying. They mistook her for being Athena. No, 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 that's not what I meant. I What I was trying to say is, I guess, she was existing in that time, and okay. they said, you are the goddess Athena. Basically, Athena exists so in... So the first guy just mispronounced it, yes. and then it just kind of stuck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're like, what's your name? And someone's like, uh, Athena. <laughs> <laughs> they had to think about it. She was trying to figure out if she was going to lie, and she decided not to, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Gilgamesh, played by Don Lee. Um, as far as I could tell, he just was really strong. Yeah, he just punched he people hard. He had really strong fists, specifically, or arms. Yeah, I think they call him Iron Fist, if I'm correct. I don't think so. Oh, is that a different character? <laughs> a different movie. I don't know if there was a movie for Iron Fist. Well, Fist. it would be, because it's not this one. Okay. <laughs> Hypothetical movie. And then we have Fastos, played by Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, he was just like, he, he was just really fast on his toes. You know, that's a good point. Why? <laughs> Missed opportunity. Yeah. Why, why was he not the runner? <laughs> yeah. However, I did get a vibe that he was probably the god Hephaestus was maybe based on him. Because okay. he was a great weapons creator, right? I think, or a blacksmith or something like that. Mm. Or an in- He was an inventor. I know that for he, based well, I mean, on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> well, he was the he was the messenger, right? No. That was Hermes. Hermes. Hephaestus was the one with the forge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he was, like, deformed. And yeah, he, like, he was... He made the the gods' weapons. Yes. In, in Hades. Yes. Okay. So, I'm assuming that was a, on purpose, that name. Okay. Similarity there. Um, and he can... He's an en- engineer or inventor, and he can create smart weapons using cosmic energy, kind of just, like, on the fly, it seems. Yeah, it did feel like he just kind of like, oh, this thing exists now. Yeah. Without having to really kind of do like, anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Since you speak, talking about speed, Makari, played by Lauren Ridloff, um, is the Eternal who has super speed, presumably due to yeah, cosmic she's, energy. She's the Marvel Flash, I guess. Yes, um, and also Mercury was apparently one of the gods. Was it Roman or Greek? One Roman. of those. Roman had Mercury who was really fast. Yeah. Um, so I can see where they're going with most of these. And then Druig is par- played by Barry Keoghan, and he his skill or power is mind control. Basically, he can just take over everybody's mind and make them do what he wants them to. He can do like a hive mind, right? Yes. 
he turns people into ants. Yeah, essentially. Emotionally, of course. <laughs> Emotionally. They still can't list, lift five times their body weight, unfortunately. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, we don't know that. And we we didn't, don't know. We didn't if, see if it happened. If they can't feel shit, then they could probably do more than they think they could. That's fair. Because they're not thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then finally, Kingo was played by Camille Nanjiani. And he has, he's, this is one of the departures from the comics. He has these cosmic energy blasters from his hands. He makes like gun shapes with his hands. Yeah, he's got, just finger pistols everybody. Yeah, he's like pew, pew, pew. <laughs> um, and he's typically in the comics portrayed as like a great swordsman, I guess. So this was one of the main, one of the big departures that I saw. Okay. And he has a trusty sidekick or uh, a valet, as he calls him, uh, Karun who's played by Harish Patel, and he's the human valet to the character Kingo because Kingo has his way of incorporating into society was becoming a Bollywood star and basically just being a descendant of himself over the years. And so he's got this like... Wait, wait, wait that, that was just him every time? Yes. I thought it was like his... Spoiler alert. Great-grandfather, grandfather, <laughs> father, and then him. That's what he told everyone. Oh. <laughs> Can just... you imagine people buying that? It's ridiculous. It's like equivalent to like Clark Kent taking the, the glasses exactly. off and he's Superman, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this one has a mustache. It can't possibly be the same guy. Okay, and Dane Whitman is a character in this, played by Kit Harrington. He's basically the love interest of Cersei in the beginning, and we find out more about him as the movie goes on, but I'll leave it there. And anybody who's familiar with the comics probably recognizes the name automatically, which I didn't. I had to research afterwards. So um, so we started out with these characters in when they were sent to Earth, um, potentially about 7,000 centuries ago, according to Druid, something he says during the movie. And they're sent to protect humanity and they end up really kind of helping society at several different points and kind of pushing them along in their development, despite they were the fact that they were told specifically not to interfere. Well, that's the part that's really confusing about this movie. Yeah. Is it seems like their entire concept was to help guide society. Basically, they are training them and, and guiding them mm-hmm. into be, into flourishing, into competent beings of their own. But like, yes. at the same time... They're saying, oh, we're not supposed to help them. Yeah. But we're here to help them. But we're doing it. It was very confusing. Yeah. Well, the thing is they were supposed to do that, right? Well, they were supposed to protect them against the deviants. That's the prime directive that they were given. But they all felt, oh, well, we're going to also give you this combustion engine or whatever, you know, like there were different. It just, it felt like that was the, the job that they were given was to plant tech at certain points of history mm-hmm. to advance them to get them to the population they need to be yeah which we find out later is the goal right yes to overpopulate for cosmic energy right yes so in a way i took it as fastos the one who's giving them this tech mm-hmm. and like his entire purpose is to basically create intelligent life for planets yeah that's true. It's the assumption that they aren't making it themselves. They're just being given it and they're they're getting the blueprints. They're, they're taking it And then it they're making it, it after they get the blueprints. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's the moment in the scene, there's one scene where he, you know, you reference, he had the steam engine. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's a little too soon for that. You're going to yeah. freak him out. Like, yeah. oh, well, here's a plow. Yeah. Made of wood and metal. Yeah. So it's implied to me that he's like just telling them, okay, here's a thing. Yeah. And they aren't actually 
advancing intellectually themselves other than just being exposed to something and then knowing what to do after. It seems to, I I hear what you're saying, but I feel like the vibe I got was that mostly they were leaving society alone, but then occasionally somebody would get bored and be like, okay, I need to speed this shit up. And then like Mm -hmm. give them something because they were there for, like I said, 7,000 years. They're probably like, okay, I want to tap in their fucking wristwatch. I mean, I kind of arguably would take it as whole, this whole idea as like every planet only has life because of them. Like the Eternals on every planet. Yeah created life in a sense it does seem that way yes okay so uh after they defeat who they believe to be the last of the deviants they end up parting ways partially due to thena experiencing some sort of ptsd and attacking um some of her companions and then only gilgamesh was eventually able to stop her they call this the mad weary which i learned when i looked this up that it's not just spelled mad weary (laughs) it's a completely different spelling so that's good to know if you're going to Google it. Okay. <laughs> but if whenever I Googled just the words mad and weary, it did come up. I was just like, oh, that's not what I expected. Um, so I thought this part was really interesting because it seemed like they all knew what it was pretty quickly. But they weren't so... Like, but why? Why did they know what it was? You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm asking? I mean, did they know what it was? Well... They all came to the conclusion, or was it just Ajax who said what it was? Well, okay, you, claim, you mean because they call it Mad They Weary. call it Mad Weary. They've got a I name mean, for I it. I mean, I took it like it was just like this, this is the name they've given to some kind of state of mind that's happened mm-hmm. okay. to Eternals in the past. Got it. I'm going to assume, since what we've learned of these Eternals is that they are basically reset every time they mm-hmm. form a planet yeah. for Celestial Birth. I'm just taking it as we know Ajax has contact with the top celestial who's sent them on this mission, right? Erisham, yes. Erisham the judge, right? Yes. So I'm going to assume he's just like, she has this. Okay. That's the cover story for why she's fucking up. Okay. And having thoughts. Unless he doesn't even know That's she's That's what I was right. So I was like, do you think that Erishim knew that she, her memory wipe got fucked up? Because you would think he would have tried again. Maybe he doesn't know. Because there's yeah. other things that kind of indicate he doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, it seems like, you know, because like even like their whole like plan to disrupt the birth of a celestial on mm-hmm. Earth seems to be, they're openly talking about this, but he has no clue or else he would have stopped them, right? Right, exactly. So I guess there's no link there just because... They were created by him. Yeah. The only link, I guess, is them talking through that sphere sphere, that Ajax has Mm -hmm. and then gives to Cersei later. Yes. So I guess maybe Ajax just was like, you know what? I need a cover story for this. Yeah. Because I know what the mission is. Mm -hmm. So I need to make up a reason why she's doing this weird shit Mm -hmm. to not get them all like questioning too much. That's all I can take out of it. Okay. Okay, so let's get into a little bit about the Eternals in general. Um, we already kind of talked about why like, it's kind of interesting they all have different powers, or at least it seems that way on the surface. Um, but as far as I could tell, based on what I looked up online, it's like they're all just different manifestations of cosmic energy, or manifestations of ways to use cosmic energy. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they did that. It makes it for way less boring than them all having the same power. Okay. I kind of had a different perspective of that. Oh, okay. I, I thought it, 
just on like a logical level, it just didn't make sense to me that they all have unique abilities. They all look different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, full spoilers were, you know, yeah. they're essentially androids, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're space robots. Um, I have a lot of problems just in the concept of what they are. Yeah. One, why do they have independent thinking? If they're here to do a certain job, doesn't giving them independent thinking just kind of go against the whole point of your mission? Wouldn't you just make, like, mind slaves, essentially, yeah. that just don't think and they just do what they're programmed to do? Yeah. So, so I... it's a little confusing why that's even a thing. And then, you know, we brought up the whole idea of, like, Spry. Like, why does she? why is she so much smaller than everybody else? Yeah. Why is that even relevant and necessary yeah. to her specific power? Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's relevant to her power at all. I agree. Um, I do think it's interesting um, that you bring up the, why do they have independent thought? Because I was just reading something about it that said that in the comics, their their bodies were no longer human. They were like made or whatever, but their their minds were still human, and so they were still fragile and mm-hmm. um, susceptible to things like mad weary. <laughs> There's only so much memory that your brain mm-hmm. can hold as a human. So I, they didn't explain that in this, it, but I'm wondering if it's still possible that's one of the factors. I mean, they never really established that. It, it kind of was, the, the narrative was, they are just robots doing a yeah, job without so, knowing that they're doing a job that yeah, they're yeah. doing. So, of course, that may not apply here, but um, it's just, I think it's still technically possible. But you bring up a good point. Like, just going back to Athena, um, I do really enjoy that they did this Mad Weary concept because... Aside from it being, you know, part of the plot, it's like, one, they're kind of showcasing PTSD, which mm-hmm. I think was an interesting way of doing that. And yeah. kind of bring that to the, the light for the public, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, on top of that, they're, they're also kind of doing a uh, highlight on Alzheimer's and, you know. Like dementia. Yeah, dementia and these mental illnesses that that come with old age and and affect the brain Mm -hmm. you know they're extremely fucking old right so obviously they aren't actual people but like it's kind of giving you that construct of what happens over over time with wear on Mm -hmm. a being yeah so i thought that was interesting that they kind of incorporated both of those concepts into her character yeah that's a good point she brought a little bit of a grounded. It gave them process. struggles, yeah. even though they're these basically indestructible, powerful, perfect beings. beings yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they knew about the Thanos situation, and they kind of just like sat and watched that all happen. What are your What are your thoughts about this? Um, they kind of explained it away. Basically saying they weren't allowed to interfere because it wasn't deviant, but yeah, yeah. The whole idea that? is that you can only interfere for a deviant. This kind of goes back to like the whole they came to this planet being with the narrative, oh, we can't interfere, but like their entire mission is literally to interfere to get them where they need them to be. So yeah. by logic, they are interfering. So it just yeah. seemed like a dumb idea that oh, the reason they couldn't do anything during the snap is because they can't interfere with things that are not deviance yeah 
you're doing that anyways. Yeah. And I get like it was like a throwaway line to just justify why they weren't in in, in Infinity War in Endgame mm-hmm. or any movie before this. Yeah. Like I get that. This yeah. is like we have to retrospectively fix narratives. Yes. But I feel like they could have gotten a little bit more creative. Yeah. It just feels like a really weak concept that they couldn't do. They just couldn't. Yeah. And we're fully aware that this is happening. We just couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed really stupid. Sucks. Especially Sucks. going into their like decision making five minutes after the snap. Yeah. And like, oh, well, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea and we need to stop this. Like it just like yeah. So easily flipped in that sense. So like, what, what, why was Thanos not something that they were like, you know what? Yeah. We can't allow this. Even though they were making those decisions on other things. Yeah. That's a good point. Plus it's going into like the whole cosmic energy thing. Okay. Like, so what we have established is they think they're here to protect people. Just for the good of protecting people, as far as I yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. In reality, the Deviants were initially there to kill apex predators to create the ability for evolution for intelligent life. Yes. But then they started taking and killing intelligent life before yes. it could populate. Yes. So that tells me, well, we know from what they've said that basically they need population growth of intelligent life to siphon cosmic energy to grow celestials and planets yes basically planets are just eggs yes but here's where i don't really understand this idea is because what defines the transfer of cosmic energy is it just the being existing and they're just like dragon ball z spirit bomb they're just giving life energy to the celestial inside the planet or Mm -hmm. is it like their death gives off the cosmic energy and over time as people die and keep giving that energy it fills up like a gas tank and then when it's that full uh, it's ready to go this is like the mc version of the chicken or the egg question thank you that's exactly (laughs) what it is because they do say we need war which then causes the need for medical advancements, mm-hmm. which then helps populate. Yeah. So I get that idea. But it doesn't necessarily say that the war is also helping to gather that cosmic energy. Yeah. I feel like I think it's the live people just existing on the planet because the celestial can start being born at any point at which the level of cosmic energy is reached. Um, okay, so they're just spirit bombing this shit. Yeah, because... The, it, the celestial egg is just like, lend me your energy, and then yeah. all the people are just fucking giving it. Yes, unbeknownst. Unwilling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just feel like they were very vague about those kind of like details about yeah. it. It's just like, oh, well, they just give off cosmic energy. Like, I get that, but like, how? Yeah. What specifically is giving the energy? Is it death? Is it just existing? They, I feel like they kind of like brush across that stuff, and like I feel like maybe they could have done a little bit more with that side of the the movie story. Yeah, that's fair. I would agree with you there. Because I just don't see how Thanos taking away half the population in any way you spin it 
benefits them. How does it in any way help the Celestials? It doesn't. So why wouldn't they just be like, you know what? Maybe stop this. The only way that it could make sense with what I think Ajax said was she said something like she admired their resourcefulness. So it's just another way in which the population being decreased, basically a war, will cause advancements and have another boom in population theoretically. Well, no. See, that to me is an independent thought of hers being impressed with their ability to basically not bend the knee to Thanos. Mm. Even after they were defeated, they still found a way to like reverse it. Mm. That's what I'm getting from that. Okay. But to me, that has nothing to do with Ayrsham and his like, you can't touch them because, or you can't help anybody because they're not deviants. Yeah. That's how I see it at least. Okay. So I guess I'm trying to figure out why the Celestials do not care that they are taking away half of their theoretical or potential energy. I think honestly, the only reason is because they are trusting that a decrease in population temporarily will cause an increase in the long run just like a war or a something else in history you know okay i mean that's a, a huge that's a huge delay though oh i know I, even if you're gonna add up advancement in tech to then extend life or overpopulate life in the future that's still gonna put a big gap in there yeah to I, get to that i mean point. we're on the same page but these these beings are living for Centuries and centuries and centuries, so maybe it doesn't seem like such a okay, long period of time right. to them. I guess you're right. I don't know. I can see it going. I see. I can see both sides to it. That's all. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess centuries for them is just like, oh my god, there's a minute on the microwave still. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my question is, also, so we know that at some point they go and you know Ajax says, you know what, this maybe isn't worth destroying this planet because of what i've seen mm-hmm. as you said she kind of had a change of heart because she saw the resilience of humans mm-hmm. we also know that they wipe their minds every time they successfully incubate a planet with a celestial right yes. so that tells us this has happened many times yes uh with you know this group specifically and who knows how many others exactly yeah so the question I guess I have is how many times have they potentially realized this truth and have they changed their mind about helping and tried to prevent it as they try to do in this film? Mm-hmm. Has this been a reoccurring issue with Eternals? And this is the whole point of why I'm asking why even give them independent thought? Yeah. Are we to believe this is the very first time this has ever happened? He's like, oh, oops. I don't think it's the first time, but I definitely don't think it happens every time because otherwise they would have figured something out. Well, I mean, the mind wipe to me implies that's his safety mechanism to prevent them from having a rebellion against the mission, right? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely one way of doing it by making sure they don't know anything from before the current time. Mm -hmm. But also, here's the thing that's kind of weird is initially we were revealed that the Deviants were created... For this cause. Mm-hmm. And then the Eternals were only a outcome because the Deviants were out of control. Yes. And they needed something to stop the initial creation for the mission. 
Okay. So then why isn't there a new and an improved version of something to disrupt the Eternals from having these independent thoughts of rebellion? And I mean, maybe it is one of the first times it's happened. Maybe that... Because if it, if it had happened enough more times, you would think that the Celestials would have been like, well, I need to rework this I, programming. I mean, I guess thinking about it, it's like a numbers game, right? Yeah. It's like, how, consider them defects and ones that like start thinking and, and questioning things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I guess the question is, what percent are actually doing that in the grand scheme of all the right. beings on the different planets and doing this mission everywhere? Yeah. It's a good question. And I also just, I think we brought it up earlier, but like, I really want to know, do they all look the same or are they looking like the, what is deemed intelligent life on each planet? Yeah. I have to assume they look like whatever the race or species looks like on the target planet. It would make sense, right? Yeah. Otherwise it'd be really hard to like assimilate. (laughs) Well, at the same time though, they're openly using their powers in front of these centuries of beings. So they aren't that concerned with looking different and the fact that they have powers. So they don't really need to stand out in that sense. That's true. As being the same. Yeah. I thought that was really weird that they were just like, yeah, we're Eternals and we're however many thousands of years old. Like, no big deal. Every person they meet, they're like, hey, I'm Sprite and we have all these powers. Yeah. Hey, did you know that I'm immortal? (laughs) (laughs) It was like, the weird thing was that they were doing this, but the weirder thing was that everybody was like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Not, you know, no questions about it. Not like freaked out. Yeah. Like you just told me read a book. Like, like, oh, that's cool. Moving on. You know, it was very odd how low played it was. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you brought up the deviants. Let's talk a little bit more about the deviants. Um, it, like you said, it's revealed that they were created by the celestials to kill apex predators to intelligent life on Mm -hmm. planets. And also, does that imply then that the dinosaurs were wiped out by deviants? I think they so. never technically show it, but they kind of they, they showed another planet uh-huh. with, with dinosaur-like happening. creatures getting killed. Yeah, and I'm curious if the the implication is that the deviants killed dinosaurs on Earth. I'm gonna go with yes. That's that's my opinion based on what we saw. Do you think the deviants are any different, the, um, like composition-wise, than the Eternals? Or do you think they're built the same way? I mean, they both look like... Well, I mean, Eternals look like they're human, but like right. they obviously are androids. So mm-hmm. they're clearly mechanical, whether they have like Terminator-like structure on the outside. I don't know. Yeah. Or if it's fake. But yeah. um, Deviants, I felt like, looked very mechanical as well. But like, I don't know, like, like a biomechanical kind of like... it. They look like something without skin. Like yeah. it was just they, they just were just muscles. the muscle. Yeah. But it was also very like uh I don't know how to explain. It. Like it, like it was living. Like they're like it, it independently moved around while yeah. They reminded me of um a little bit of the like robotic creatures in uh that fucking game. <laughs> what is it? Horizon? Yes. Zero Horizon, Dawn? Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> I was thinking. I'm just thinking robot creatures. Robot yeah. creatures. <laughs> I was like in my head. I was thinking uh, Breath of the Wild. I was like, that's not the right game. That's definitely not the right game. <laughs> that could have worked to an extent. Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, I was thinking of the robotic, like dinosaur-looking creatures mm-hmm. from Horizon. I feel like I was getting those kind of vibes, but like more muscular, M- more organic. Yes. Yeah. Like 
in movement, mm-hmm. but still mechanically visual. Yeah. Um, also, kind of like playing into like the dinosaur thing. Like, were deviants throughout centuries like the? Are those what like mythical creatures were based on? I feel like they have. I to mean, Shang Chi kind of I guess implies that dragons do exist. True. And, Stuff like that. So I guess not all creatures. Right. Necessarily. But like, I am curious if that played a part of like, oh, the Minotaur. Because we did see one that was kind of bull looking. Yes. But stood upright. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely think that some of the forms they took over the centuries had, uh, were basis, were the basis for Mm -hmm. some, uh, what we see as mythology now. Yeah. But overall, these deviants really weren't a huge part of the movie. They were no. kind of like the backstory as to why they're there, but they weren't like the forefront of what's happening. I feel like, obviously, the focus of the movie in the end is this group of Eternals having an eternal struggle. You know, yeah. individually, they have their own ide- ideologies and and views of what society should or shouldn't have or should or shouldn't be. Whether they have the right to exist or not, and mm-hmm. um, I was so in a sense I was kind of disappointed that the deviants weren't a bigger part. I guess the biggest part was Crow, mm-hmm. the I get arguably the leader, the leader <laughs> of the deviants as far as the yeah. the group that we are introduced to in modern day, because mm-hmm. we're we're told that they took out all the deviants many centuries ago, which made life possible to to grow, yeah, and get to their mission. Uh, but then I guess some were frozen at one point mm-hmm. in, and then here and we then are they again. thawed because of whatever reason recently, and then that's what's yeah spawned more deviance in the in modern day. Yeah. So basically, they Captain America the shit out of this <laughs> deviant storyline. But we're kind of introduced to like new like like new powers because I guess do all deviants have the ability to suck? the powers from Eternals or was this something that was just mistakenly found out by one? Was it like an evolutionary trait by just one? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's, I feel like it wasn't a thing. Back and like, again, why would, why would Erisham allow that to be a thing to even begin with? He couldn't have, right? Because Eternals no. were a reaction to the Deviants. Yeah. Problem. Yeah, he wouldn't have known. So he couldn't have known that they could do that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, he should have known what they had potential to do. Yeah. Unless this is like the argument of like evolution, where yeah, it, I think know, it might life be. finds a way. If you yeah. want to go to Jurassic Park with this, yeah, I feel like Erisham wanted a kind of like a set it forget it solution. And things just kind of kept happening in the background mm-hmm. while he was off doing what the fuck he's, he's like doing. the worst manager. Yes. He like he tells you this is what you got to do, and then I'm gonna go on vacation for like three hundred years, <laughs> and then I'll never but keep see me it. updated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I don't gonna check know. my emails when I get back. So you better yeah. <laughs> better keep me up to date. Yeah. But like, so Crow is basically like the leader as far as the deviants go, right? Yeah, you and know? he's the de facto leader mainly because he's the one who's discovered can't absorb powers whenever he kills an Eternal. And let's be honest, the, the subplot for the Deviants, mm-hmm. or at least Crow, was mm-hmm. essentially, he is Cell from Dragon Ball Z. 
I'm going to bring her up Dragon Ball Z a lot in this. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of stuff is very similar. Yeah. So basically, uh, his his plot is he absorbs the powers of androids. Okay. And then he physically gets upgraded to a new transformation. Okay. Or his perfect form, if you will. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie. He goes through three transformations, right? Yeah. There's three forms of cell and Dragon Ball Z. And it's all because he absorbed androids. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Crow's origin story is the same as Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Okay. You heard it here first. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if someone yeah. else has said it. <laughs> uh, something else to note about Crow, actually, is I feel like we need to we need to let the cat out of the bag that the, like, quote-unquote, what looked like it was a tease in the trailer of the relationship mm-hmm. between Crow and Thena. Total bullshit. It's like they, it doesn't I, even. I'd say it was great use of like misleading the audience. Yeah, it was with the very misleading. It was Because those even... two characters do have a romantic relationship in comics. Yes. From what I understand. Yes. So the fact that they implied that in the trailer mm-hmm. and then what we get here is nowhere near Completely that. Completely different. It's just out of context, not at all. Yes. What it looks like was very clever, I think, in how they played that. Because, you know, they know what people are expecting. And I feel like this is a nice example of Marvel being like, okay, what do we know about these characters from the comics? And what do the fans expect? Yeah. Now let's flip that on them. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's um, dig a little deeper into the Celestials. The bosses of this whole situation. The mob bosses, if you will. Well, I mean, what we understand from the Celestials is basically they've created the entire universe, right? Yes. All of existence. Yeah. Which, in a sense, goes against the six Infinity Stones. So, it's a little confusing. It is. But, basic idea is Celestials are born every billion of every billion years. Mm-hmm. And what is needed is they need energy from intelligent life. Existing. So, like... Incubate, right? Inside the yeah. planet. Yes. And then eventually when they get to that 100% full, mm-hmm. it emerges from the planet and mm-hmm. the planet is destroyed and everybody on, on that planet is dead. And the celestial walks away saying, sucks to suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not my problem and just leaves. <laughs> yeah. But the flip side of this concept is they are not just a complete destruction. Mm-hmm. Celestials are actually used to create life they create universes or solar systems with planets that then grow the life it's basically the circle of life if you think it about kinda it kind of seems like it yeah like they are creating planets but then eventually those planets are used to then create celestials who then make more yeah it's very interesting i don't know if that's how it is in the comics, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of brings up the whole, you know, they get into this with the Eternals and, like, the question of, like, well, should they have a right to just destroy entire planets, you know, killing off billions of people? Yeah. Or whatever the... the, Whatever the number is. Yes. I keep going back to, like, when I watched this, this movie was, this is, like, the concept of... Would you kill Hitler mm-hmm. to save millions of lives? Yes. <laughs> I 
And putting it in the MCU context, this is essentially what Thanos is doing. Uh-huh. He's taking life so that life can thrive and grow further by yeah. not having resources deplenished to, to suffer, right? Yeah. That's true. It's a different concept of doing it, but it's the same end goal in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thought, though, if you think about Thanos. I wonder how many of the planets that Thanos equalized if you will were supposed to be incubating a celestial and he like delayed the emergence by decreasing the population I mean, well, at least we know earth right fair yeah so but yeah <laughs> that's a good point um and like going I don't know, if you want to go into like the multiverse concept like do celestials are they just in this universe are they in all universes yeah that's are a- they the same thing do they do they create all universes or are they just create the ones in theirs. Yeah, are there multiple... Or the solar systems are there, in theirs. Are there, like, variants of celestials? Exactly. <laughs> like, how far does this Inside go? Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> it's very crazy. Yeah. I mean, they've opened up a whole new can of, of critical thinking for the, the, the construct of the MCU now. hmm You know, like, like, like we said, the, the Infinity Stones were kind of implied to be the creation of, of everything. Right. And now we're basically being told, no, no, that's not true. Yeah. So what are they? Was that just like a, a, are they just trying to brush those off to the side? Because they're like, you know, we're on a new story now. Or, you know. I think they're still tied. Were they powerful in the creation of of stuff as far as we knew? I think they're still you, or they're still involved in the creation of each solar system or universe or whatever the fuck it is that a celestial creates. I'm not, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the exact wording, but in the beginning of the movie, Erisham says something about before the six singularities and it just seems like a good coincidence that um there's six infinity stones six singularities like a singularity is usually like a black hole but like maybe there's some kind of thing where the six singularities you're referring to are related to the formation of the infinity stones and they're used to form these whatever you know what i mean yeah it seems like they could be related in that way but I don't know all the They're just not getting into the details, but they're somehow tied to Celestials, maybe? That's what it seems like to me. Okay. Because also, if you think about it, do all Celestials have six eyes, or was it just Erisham? I, I think they all did. So, is that a coincidence? Maybe. I don't I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> Does each one house a was stone? Was it six? I didn't even really count them. I was just like, oh, he's got a spider face. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty sure it was six. Because I thought it was interesting that the new one on Earth had the same number of eyes as Erisham. That's true. That's true. Or do we see the face? Yeah, we see part of it. Okay. The sequel to Face Off. Yeah. What <laughs> uh, you know, the Infinity Stones concept brings up to a question I have as far as tied to the Celestials. The Eternals, the Celestials, do any of this? These beings in this movie, do they know of the TVA? Or vice versa. Does the TVA know of them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know what kind of brings me back to is Loki. The joke in the beginning of the show where uh, you couldn't go through the the metal detector if you were a robot uh, or android or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, what would happen if He's I like, was what, a robot? What, what, well, what if I was? And then <laughs> <laughs> so I guess by that logic, no Eternals have ever been... To the TVA. Because they would have died. At least not their intake. Yeah. Uh, yeah but like that it. whole idea. Like. And going further with that. Then does. Does he who remains. 
does he know of the Celestials? Yeah. Or is he, like, in the dark on everything beyond his understanding of just what he's done? That's a whole, like, rabbit hole we could jump I know, down. I know. Yeah. And it's not... <laughs> we don't have time for that kind of rabbit for hole. This. But, like, <laughs> I guess these are examples of, like, what this movie did for me. Where it brought questions that I hope we're getting answers to. Mm-hmm. Because it's opened up a whole lot more than what we thought we had going on here. Yeah. True. So regarding the new celestial that's incubating on Earth, <laughs> um, at what point it seems like they at some point they just they find where it's supposed to be emerging and they head towards it, but we get a little bit it, it, we don't get a whole lot of information about the celestial, and then suddenly there's it's got a name, it's got it's starting to come out like. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they had more story that they planned to do, and then they like, we got to cut this out. Yeah. Because we go from just like them not knowing anything to all of a sudden knowing the plan, and then oh, and the name of the celestial that's in our planet is Tiamat or yeah. whatever it is, and yeah. it's like. I think when I leaned they- over to you during the movie. I was like, when did they find out the name? Yeah. Because there is no moment where you as an audience or just them in the movie find are out. taught the name. Yeah. It's just they go from not knowing anything to knowing the name of the Celestial being created. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is if maybe Arishim said something to Cersei whenever... They spoke via the sphere, but like I, mean, I don't remember that. So I saw the movie twice, and I don't yeah. recall that happening yeah. either time. So maybe I just have that bad of memory or, or ability to pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think that part of the like quote unquote reveal was a little bit rushed, maybe, or mm-hmm. maybe like you said, there's like a deleted scene that explains it more in depth or something like that. Okay, so um, let's jump through a couple of like plot points that I think are important for us to just briefly discuss. Um, in the beginning, when the de- deviants come out, it seems like they're go- they're going directly after Cersei and Sprite. Like yes, they're spe- he's specifically going for them. Yeah, he's the deviants are no longer worried about people; yeah. they just want to kill Eternals. Yes, and that's weird. Number one. And number two, Icarus shows up after this starts. And that's fucking suspicious too. I thought it was weird in the beginning and I didn't know why. Honestly, I never really even... I didn't even put those together that like, why is he here all of a sudden now that there's a deviant? I just took it as... Uh, it's a coincidence for their storytelling. Yeah. Well, I didn't... I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't put it together either. I just thought, why Why would he suddenly be here? They don't have some kind of, they have a psychic connection. They didn't establish that. Mm-hmm. It just seems well, weird that he supposedly. Well, there was supposedly... a throwaway line later on. Where he's like, oh, well, the earthquakes happened. I just wanted to make sure you were okay. Yeah, that's but true. that was a cover story it's still for very... he was here because he knew about the deviants. Because he's, he's the one who yes. basically created their evolution. Yes. So it's like, it's weird because it's like he's. Not working with the Deviants, but Mm -hmm. he kind of is indirectly Mm -hmm. by just allowing them to do their thing as a way to distract the Eternals. Mm -hmm. Because he assumes that the Eternals will just be able to kill them. Yes. But then they end up being a bigger hassle than than he ever imagined. Yeah, that's the other thing that makes me wonder is do you think that um, when he 
orchestrated the death of Ajax. Do you think he knew that the one of the deviants could absorb her power? No, I don't think that he knew that. I think he just thought she was just gonna get killed. Okay. Because like I was saying, like how would any like how would the how would it have happened unless it was known that it could happen? Right. Yeah. So I guess it's just like the idea that like even they have evolution. Yeah. They can evolve to Mm -hmm. be something that they weren't intended to be. Yeah. So after the attack, they head and they find out that Ajax is dead, and Cersei is obviously very devastated. And then the sphere of leadership thing (laughs) transfers to her, which obviously is going to upset Icarus because he. Mm was the very clear choice of somebody who was like all up in her business. Like, I want to be just like you. He was the, pe- he was the teacher's pet, he right? Was, he yeah. was like really loyal to, I, would you even call like the celestials, like the whole idea of like what the, the Eternals do for them? Like to me, I always, I just, I keep seeing it as like, it's a religion. Yeah. Or I don't know if you want to say a cult. It's like, it's culty, but like at the same time, they they aren't really following it by choice, right? They right. just are. They're programmed to. Programmed <laughs> essentially to. Yeah. They think that they're just following because they are loyal. So but... that's very culty <laughs> because. So, but the, by that same logic then, is Icarus doing what he's doing because he feels that it's right or is he doing it because he's just the most perfectly programmed perfectly exactly perfectly programmed of them all i mean that does track (laughs) because if you go over to um if you go to kingo i thought it was a very interesting thing with this character because he is very loyal to the cause of what the celestials are doing yes by the end of this movie Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's got this like passion and love for Indian culture. Yes. And in a way that in my mind is like contradicting to his beliefs of what the celestials have taught him or programmed him or whatever you want to call it. True. Yeah. So where does he truly lie with his beliefs? Yeah. And he doesn't even know. That's I think that's where. You know, he's spent centuries with being this life that he's lived. Yes. And then. He's kind of adapted to really like appreciate that culture, mm-hmm. and then as soon as everything like you know hits the fan, he's like, "Oh, well, I mean, should we be the ones to say whether they should live or not?" And then like he's like, "I'm not helping." Yeah, which I thought was a very weird dick move because it's yeah. like, so you're okay with all of your friends, base or family, even mm-hmm. trying to stop it, but you're not gonna you're not gonna help. So you're like okay with everybody you know dying. Yeah. Or not. Like you're just yeah. you're neutral, I guess. He's, is what he's a perfect example of that like famous quote of like all that takes for tr- evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing or whatever. Where he, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever was the right decision in anyone's mind, doing nothing isn't it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he should have chosen a side. But well, see, I can see the conflict though. It's where this is where, like, the one thing I'd say is weak about that character is I feel like they just needed to give somebody that role of being neutral so they could have a mix and match of the different ideals that they wanted. But, like, nothing he did really grew to be that role, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. he, he seemed like he was very much about people, very much about life and Mm -hmm. and like he in my mind was be would be on the side of protect them yeah but then he's just like oh well you know i'm loyal to you icarus and i'll 
follow you mm-hmm. wherever you go. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, we had to have see, we, we needed to see that loyalty on screen. We needed to see something that caused that relationship yeah. mindset. It was that, just like an empty statement. That we were told about because we didn't get that. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, they didn't even know each other's names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did seem a little weird. I agree. You know, we're told that he had a whole life where he spent with Sprite for a while and then he ditched her because of like the issue with her always looking like a child or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. We haven't heard him being with any of these other characters in any kind of close relationship. Yeah. As far as we know, Icarus is only about Cersei. Yeah. And nobody else. Yeah. I guess Ajax to an extent because he was like following her beliefs to be and her all that stuff. Pet, yes. So yeah, I can see. I, I see what you're saying. I think it's interesting um, when you have the, them taking such a strong stance, and we don't really see the substance behind it. Well, I mean, some of the characters I understood it. Like yeah. Cersei, I understand. Yeah, like she was fully. As soon invested. as she showed up, she was just like intrigued and curious and and cared about. The people. Yes. As soon as she showed up onto Earth. Yes. The second she arrived. <laughs> the one that really surprised me out of everybody was a Druig. Yeah. Going back to the trailer, I really thought he was going to be the one who was like the sinister secret plan that, you know, yeah. goes against everybody. And yeah, he was probably the most faithful and caring person of the group mm-hmm. you know and he's you know he had moments where he struggled because he's like i could literally stop all of their wars yeah in a second yeah and i have to sit here for seven thousand years and just watch, watch it happen. them kill each other yeah yeah that would be so frustrating i don't even know that's crazy to think about <laughs> and i like that that they gave a character you know, the knowledge of, like, I can stop this, but, like, also having the, like, the self-control, I guess, to mm-hmm. not do anything, even though they want to. Yeah, because the goal, the end goal is for humanity to train them, or to learn themselves about what is, what should and should not be done. It's kind of like, when someone's having trouble with something, uh, it's tempting to just be like, I'm just going to do it for you, because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying nope, I need to I need to let them do it and try to teach them how to do it so they don't bother me again. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's the whole. It's a long game. <laughs> teach them how to fish. Teach them how to fish. Yeah. Or, or you know, you could fish for them, or you could teach them how to fish. Yes. Right? It's that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So we also learned that um, Sprite says at some point that Ajax's death is the first in eleven thousand years. So they've only been on Earth for seven thousand years. So how does she know? Is my question. <laughs> Well, they've been on Earth for 7,000 years. But don't they have their memory wiped? Ah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Unless they were just like traveling for 3,000 years before they got to Earth. But I don't fucking know. Like, it's just a little confusing. They're just flying 4,000 years and then yeah. <laughs> they get a memo that somebody died. And they have yeah. to go and change the uh, no deaths on the job in yeah. <laughs> zero days or whatever. Yeah. Um. So they, it makes me think they must have some type of maybe it's an implanted memory set that is like basically like whenever you're re- you're if you go to format a hard drive uh you can't just get rid of everything you have to overwrite it with something so 
maybe they give maybe the celestials give them these preset memories that they are allowed okay. to know. Okay. Like so long... that's like their 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 backstory. Yeah. That they're supposed to know about. Right. To like let them be who they are. Yeah, that's I so that's a possibility, I guess. But it did strike me as an interesting number. It's either just a fuck up in the yeah. in the writing for the sh- for the movie or you know, an inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, there's some kind of backstory of well, she's like she just knows that because she's supposed to. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so an important changing point in the movie is when Cersei when she first gets the sphere, she kind of sees Erisham. She's transported or whatever she communicates, but like not very long. And then she's pulled back because they she goes into a trance and they like wake her up or something. And then later, after they go on to find more of their crew, she purposely is able to get like go through the sphere communication situation and talk to Erisham and get the full down low. Mm-hmm. And which I here's the thing that bothers me about all the like the, I get that it's set up it's supposed to be for us to understand what's yeah. the backstory. But why the fuck is he telling her, Oh well, we're actually just tricking you guys. Like yeah. even going back to Ajax, why do they need to know? Yeah. You're kind of fucking yourself over and you're causing the rebellion potential by even telling them the truth yeah there's no reason they need to be told the truth all they need to be told is go do this and then let it happen yeah you don't need like a leader a supervisor who knows the truth it doesn't make sense it, it, again it goes back to why are they given independent thought it doesn't make sense i wouldn't be the best planet destroyer ever because i yeah. would just tell nobody anything <laughs> And just let them destroy the planet. Okay. All right. Noted. (laughs) Um, But you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like Ersham is making his problems. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I still feel like it's important for him to tell Ajak in the beginning because he needed somebody to know that what their actual goal was so that they didn't go start doing something in error that was actually contrary to their true goal. But again, if they're presumably pre-programmed mm-hmm. to just do the mission, then all you have to do is say, do this mission. You do not uh, do anything outside of killing deviants. Yeah. We will call you when it's ready to come home. Yeah. And then that's that. And then you give them, in fact, you know what? As soon as it's done, you just give them the call. You yeah. just get them the fuck out of there. Yeah. You don't give them 7,000 centuries to fucking hang out and question anything. Yeah. You get them the fuck out of there and you wipe them. Okay. It just seems like he's making the problems that, that, and again, I get it. It's, well, we need the. We need to know. That's the plot we need yeah. for there to be a movie. But yeah. it just seems like, I guess, questionable writing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And, to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see. How that works in the comics, if it's a similar storyline at all, or if there's some kind of explanation in the comics, maybe. I'll look into, look into like, that. Like, Ajax can still be the leader. Like, you can still have somebody who's in charge and, like, makes the decisions, but, like, again, they just don't need to know mm-hmm. that there's a lie that they're following. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Especially if you're going to wipe them every time. So, does that imply that Ajax is never wiped? 
or is she wiped as well I, and then retold? I think they're all wiped, but is maybe that the reason she knows what? Going back to the, your question of like Mad Weary, how do they even know what it is? Is that her? How she knows about it because she's not wiped and she just knows that that's what happens to ones that are wiped and if they have this problem. That's a good point. That's possible. Okay, so obviously, like like you're indicating, the plan for Erisham to tell Cersei the to tell Cersei the true plan backfires hard on him mm-hmm. because she's like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. So then they start rebelling, and I think it was around this point that we start that we were revealed the situation that Icarus actually was the reason Ajax died. Or killed Ajax, depending on how you want to look at it. Technically, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a weird gray it's area. Perspective of whether he killed her or just or well, just like, caused her death. He pushed her, right? Yeah, he caused her death intentionally. Yeah, <laughs> and she's gone. <laughs> and so, at, then they formulate the plan that they're going to use Druig to put the emerging or the they're going to try to put the celestial who's incubating to sleep so that he can't emerge Mm -hmm. and to do that they're going to need druid who can control minds or whatever um using the unimind using the unimind that they create from which i guess is an actual thing in the comics that they did do to do stuff do to do stuff (laughs) with one mind (laughs) yeah I mean vague because I do not know what <laughs> yeah, they did with that's it. that's fair. It's um, probably the exact thing in the movie. I don't know. Yeah. But I can't say that. So when they go to find Druig, they, they, they get to him and then there's another battle. Um, and Gilgamesh is lost in this battle. And that's like a pretty hard mm-hmm. hit for uh, Athena specifically. Well, they had a strong relationship, right? Yes. And I'm not quite sure if it was just... A relationship of respect and like appreciation for each other or mm-hmm. if they were like lovers like i was kind of like i can't tell if they were lovers or just i couldn't tell either like it was very they really respected each other and cared yeah. about each other in that sense but yeah either way like i think that their relationship was probably the strongest built in this movie where that's true you know when they were having the discussion about the mad weary in her, you know, having these problems. And Ajax is like, I can wipe your mind mm-hmm. and you won't have this problem anymore. But you won't Which is her anything. admitting that I know That's true. how to, you know, I I know what it is. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you guys that I, this happens to you all the time. You just don't know it, right? Yeah. Which is kind of like the worst part of that. Like, when you find that out later on and then you go back to this conversation, you're mm-hmm. like, wow, how many times has she been wiped? Yeah. And she's pleading. She's pleading in this scene. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. I want to have my memories. Yeah. How many times has she done that? Yeah, it's messed up. And like Gilgamesh, he volunteers. He said, "Don't wipe her. I will take care of her. I will yeah. watch her. I will. I'll look after her. I will look after her. Let her, Let her remember keep. everything. Yeah. And that was like a very heavy moment because it's you know he's he's making a huge sacrifice to like allow her to be who she is mm-hmm. and not f- lose her well, you know her whole life essentially yeah. and they of, have to go of their relationships and everybody that that she's you know experienced stuff with yeah throughout this these centuries and in order to accomplish that safely they have to go live in the middle of nowhere in like australia or something to make sure that she can't like go attack 
people, places, or things inappropriately. I, I, I guess is that what it was? It was. I think so. Yeah, okay. That was my understanding of mm-hmm. it. Um, and they, I don't know if you noticed, they they did this whole hand thing. Yeah. To like kind of relieve her anxiety or whatever. Yeah. Her whatever mindset she was in when mm-hmm. she was going into this mad weary. Yes. It's very similar to what the Hulk and Black Widow would do in Age of Ultron or whatever the fuck movie yeah. that it happened in where, yeah. you know, the sun's, sun's getting, getting real getting, low. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they'd touch each other's hands yeah. and, and he'd relax and, and yeah. turn into Bruce. Yeah. Or D-Hulk, as I like to call it. Yeah, D-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't notice that, but now that you mention it, it's uh, pretty close to that. So, it's a real bad turn whenever Gilgamesh is lost because Crow absorbs his power as well. So, now he's hella strong. Yes. And can heal himself. And he changes form into something more humanoid. Every time he evolves, it seems like he gets better understanding of him. Like, his existence and his consciousness is, Mm -hmm. like, evolving, right? Yeah. And at this point is when he starts to look... He looks like what we see in the trailer at this point, right? Yes. He turns into yes. that, I think and then he's he's able to talk. So I guess the question is: Is he his own person, or is he like a hybrid of Ajax and Gilgamesh combined? That's what's confusing to me. Is I feel like he's his own person because he still has very uh, specific views, mm-hmm. um, and then it's actually revealed about the deviants feeling persecuted essentially by the Eternals for no reason. And I mean, understandably, right? Yeah. Like, they're basically both pawns in the Celestial's mission. Yes. Right? And ironically, they both come to the same conclusion of what's happening and what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But because of their history of interaction like you know the deviants crow specifically wants revenge he mm-hmm. wants justice for being hunted yeah their whole existence mm-hmm. and he holds them responsible even though he knows that they were also just pawns and being yeah i guess the difference is they were theoretically independent thinking and so they had a choice and they didn't yeah whereas the deviants were mindless beasts at the time right right that's true so after all of that, they finally are able to go on their mission of trying to use this unimind situation, which involves bracelets made of the sphere. And basically the unimind, from my understanding, allows the one user to channel all of their power capacity of cosmic energy so that they can have a greater power effect than they normally do. The goal being for Druid to put the Celestial to sleep. Mm-hmm. That sounds correct, right? Yeah. Okay. It sounds like a dumb plan to begin with. Like, just kill the fucking thing. But yeah. here we are. Yeah, it's fine. but they're conflicted, understandably so. They, yeah, I get it. They like, well, we basically pray to these things, and yeah. now we're being in this position where we feel like we have to kill one. Yeah. But to be honest, it's it's a new one. It's not like one that they've known had a relationship yeah. with. They're so not like friends with it or anything. Um. Yeah. So obviously that pair that plan fails. Um, for various reasons, and they end up having to kill it anyway. Uh, this is actually 
kind of foreshadowed by in the end of the battle in the Amazon where Cerse, it's revealed that Cersei can turn. She turns one of the deviants into a tree. And she's yes. like, I didn't know I could do that. Like everybody's kind of like, oh my God. Um, and so then we, it's a little bit of foreshadowing towards later after the Druig situation. He's just incapacitated for some reason. And then she ends up having to use the Unimind to just turn Tiamat to stone. Yes. And so that's, um, I thought that was interesting. So we just have like a, a hand yeah. sticking out of the side of yeah. Earth and at like this point. part of a head. Yeah. I kind of expect them to just actually destroy it after. Yeah. And just kind of like knock it into the ocean. That just never happens. So I yeah. guess it's just this awkward. I thought she would have turned it. hand there now. Yeah. I thought she was going to turn it to ice. As you said. Yeah. If she turned it to ice, then it could just melt. Yeah, that would have been, well, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would have ro- rose the oh, the fair. sea level. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good point. Some places might have. Yeah, if you turned him, if you turned them to ice, then like the core of the earth would be the wrong temperature, and all kinds of crazy shit would happen. So that's a good point. But also, like, so she just turns to rock, right? Yeah, Some kind of a kind of rock, limestone. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Something light colored, like a limestone celestial. <laughs> yeah. So one of the key components, I think, to the final battle in this is the issue with Icarus and Cersei, where Icarus is clearly on the side of, he's been trying to distract them, but he's unable, was unable to stop them from getting to the point of emergence and trying to put to sleep and then eventually kill the Celestial. Um, But... He doesn't want that to happen. He wants the emergence to happen because he still supports the Celestials and doesn't... I mean, he's he's brainwashed, he's right? He's brainwashed, To an extent, yeah, it's like course. he still follows the religion, uh, as if that's what you want to call it, yeah. of what they do. Yes. But, he, and he never experienced, like, the bond with humanity and he doesn't have that, like, tie like a lot of the, the Eternals do, especially mm-hmm. Cersei. You think he just, like, had a... Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, probably. He just had that and he just sat there until... I mean, that could be where he was because it's revealed like he left Cersei. He just like abandoned Cersei at some mm-hmm. point and then like peaced out for a couple hundred years. I mean, that had to be hard too, right? Like the whole idea, like, you know, we're basically getting this narrative that like they are in love. Yeah. When they first show up, they they mingle, they get they fall in love, they mm-hmm. get married apparently. Mm-hmm. I, I Multiple guess that was times I think. I too. guess that was supposed to like reflect their embracing culture on mm-hmm. the planet. Yeah. Otherwise like why do you need to get married? Yeah. Um another thing is like, you know, the infamous sex scene that happens yeah. in this movie, right? It's yeah. very out there, unnecessary and like why did it happen, especially in a PG thirteen Marvel movie? Yeah. It's... It felt very out of the blue. A little forced. But I guess that is supposed to like reassure us that they love each other. Yeah. But again, they're androids. Why were they given this, this mindset to like want to have sex? Or how they even like have that programming that they'd have sex. Like I don't know. It yeah. just like just seems weird. Yeah. In the grand scheme of their programming. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, it makes you wonder, are they incorporating co- uh, cultural components from humanity into their programming over the years? or? But it also goes back to the, the chicken and the egg concept yeah. of like they're grooming the intelligent life. So like yeah. to an extent, 
the life that is potentially being influenced by them, mm-hmm. whether directly or indirectly, just seeing them in their existence, you know, like, that could be a thing. So it's like, they could be influencing people, and then people are then somehow influencing them through their culture that was kind of designed because of them to begin with. It's yeah. just very It's a little circular. Weird. Yeah. That's true. Um, I think there's a... It's interesting to see the ending battle because Icarus is fighting so hard against them. And and he's the only one, right? He's the yeah. only one who's passionate about his cause. Yeah. Sprite follows him. Yeah. She decides to take his side. But it's through this awkward narrative of like, well, I've secretly been in love with him my whole life. And yes. I'm a child in design, so I can't be with him. He'll never love me the same. Yeah. Uh but I'm going to stay loyal to him just in hopes of, yeah, I guess, getting him to see me yes. for who I am. Which is a very teenage girl thing to do, to be fair. Yeah, but the, <laughs> she's not a teenage girl. I know, but again, mentally. circular logic here where she's lived this long as a yeah. teenage girl. Maybe she's absorbing some of the things that teenage girls do. I have a big problem with, like, the way they did Sprite's character to begin with. Like, I feel like it was just, like, uh, well, we need somebody on his side. Mm-hmm. Let's give this reason. And it just, like, it felt like it didn't really work because she spent how much time with Cersei? Living with her and then being this, like, presumably this, like, relationship where they bonded mm-hmm. and spent all this time together. Yeah. You know? It just feels like none of this came up ever and she's just, like, that flips on her. Yeah. It's a little weird. I thought that was an odd choice, but I'm assuming that they had their reasons. Um, I didn't like what they did with her either at the end, where they had her betray Cersei and then, Mm -hmm. like, stab her. Yeah. And it was very Loki-like, right? Very. Which, I I guess that's, you know, kind of like the Hulk and Widow thing. It's just, I guess, just to remind us of, like, see, it's all very similar in storytelling of other Things in the MCU. Yeah. But it was very Loki-like, you know, her having a fake image of her and then stabbing her from behind. Yeah, it's pretty fucking rude. Um, and then the whatever Fastos used, he, like, did something that created a trap for Icarus, like, on the fly. Like, I don't know what it was made out of. It was just like, oh, here, now I have a trap that's gonna... Just a disc that, like, had some kind of electrical bonding. Yeah. That, like, stopped him from... Mm-hmm. I did think that was maybe what was a little underutilized was whenever they had Crow come into this whole battle situation on mm-hmm. the beach. I feel like there could have been a conversation <laughs> that was like... Well, his whole mindset is just revenge, though, right? True. He's just there for revenge. And I feel like that was, like, just kind of a way for them to separate some of the Eternals from having to justify like well there's so many eternals against just icarus like how mm-hmm. do they not you know right. this is taking thena away who's arguably the strongest of what's left right because gilgamesh is now dead mm-hmm. so she's like the next up on on power mm-hmm. plus she has her mind weary so you kind of have to take her out of the picture so she's not intruding on the problem true true or does she have it still once she learns of she was right yeah. Does that fix it? I or does like she still get it? She still struggled with it a little bit. Isn't it? The idea is like she doesn't know what she's seeing and it's fucking with her head. Yeah. 
so if she theor if she theoretically knows now that it was a previous life and that's why she's remembering it, does that fix her need to stop the eternal since they're on her side now and trying to help her versus stopping her from stopping them? No, because I think the Mad Weary is having her, like, she doesn't, she's seeing something entirely different than we're seeing. Like, she's maybe not even seeing that they're her friends. Like, she's, is that why her eyes go white? Because yeah. she's, like, in her eyes, she's seen the landscape or... and the the actions that happen on a different planet. Yeah. That's what I think is going on. Because she experiences or struggles with part of it in the Amazon after during the Gilgamesh battle and yes, after. and that's what kind of causes she his already, demise. Yeah, and then she knew already that she had the, about the situation. They already had talked about the issue, right? So I think that what... Okay, I guess you're right. They did yeah. technically have that conversation. Since she already, already knew, I think that she still can't control it, but maybe it's easier for her to try to get through it because of okay. that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, they just narrative they need to separate her because mm-hmm. she's really powerful yeah and then she's got this problem that happens when they try and fight deviants yeah but i think you know they keep trying to say the whole movie they're like oh well icarus is the strongest of us all and like they kind of tried to cement in people's minds he's so powerful that all of them theoretically would struggle to take him down mm-hmm. which but it, again i guess i just don't understand then why doesn't everybody why is not all? Why are all Eternals not just him? Yeah, with a different paint job, if you want. Yeah, yeah. The I'm... whole idea of the powers just it confuses me. Yeah. So they all have individual powers, right? Yeah. Ajax, theoretically, from what I understood, was the one who like could heal, so she, she would heal. have to heal the other ones in battles because mm-hmm. we did see that early on in the movie where somebody would get hurt and she'd heal them. Yes. So once she's dead. That power is off the table now, right? Yes. So how are the uh, how are they getting healed after their battles later on? Because there was a deviant attack in the woods in the Amazon, I believe it was, or whatever. Mm-hmm. We see some of them get really hurt. That's a good question. And then they're fine later. So who's healing yeah. them I if mean, they don't have all the powers of each? I don't know the answer to that, but theoretically they all have the same access to cosmic energy. And so if somebody else can figure out how to use it for that, then maybe they could. Or maybe they can heal naturally over time. Yeah. But she can instantaneously heal with her ability. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Also, to jump back to Kingo, in that, I think, Amazon scene, he does a... What looks like a Kamehameha Mm -hmm. from Dragon Ball Z type motion. Yeah. And he never says it. Yeah, even I noticed that. It was a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I looked at you when it happened. I was like... Yeah, he's clearly powering up (laughs) a big energy blast. Yeah. And then he doesn't even use it. He didn't say shit. It was a huge missed opportunity. I agree. The shame. Yeah. And of all characters, he would be the one to do that, right? Because he's very... He was basically the comedic relief of this movie, right? Weird. (laughs) <laughs> yeah definitely but overall the, the whole like i think the ending battle was the point of the movie it yeah. was they wanted to create a civil war type concept within a group mm-hmm. who theoretically have fought together for 
centuries, right? Yes. This isn't Captain America and Iron Man who have always had differences. This is, they've all been there for each other. And now they have to make these hard choices. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a good job with depicting specifically Icarus and his being torn because he's in love with Cersei, but he also truly believes in his cause of helping the Celestials. Yes. And unfortunately, that goes against most of the Eternals who have built these relationships with people or just not agreeing with the the end cause after the truth comes out. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Fastos has a very obvious reason. Mm-hmm. He's in a relationship with somebody. He's got a child. Yes. Like, he has very direct reasons to stop this. Mm-hmm. After the ending of the last battle, obviously, we saw that eventually Icarus was able to overcome his need to comply with the cult, whatever is going on, his brainwashing. He's he was he overcame it and was able to participate in the Union Mind, which is a little bit of a question because he didn't have a. Device. I feel like that was the weakest part of this movie. I think, I think you could have him emotionally so distraught that he just breaks down. Yes. And collapses to the ground out of like, yeah. just pure exhaustion or mm-hmm. whatever. Like just yeah. he's just so out of it from being torn between Cersei and. His beliefs <laughs> and like that's fine but like to have him then embrace it i felt like kind of took away from his whole arc up yeah. into right before it's just like yeah it so was, what was all of this just to have him be like oh fine it was very surprising to me that he participated yeah. so especially with the plan being that he wasn't necessarily going to be there because he was against them to begin with so yeah it did also make me wonder if there was some kind of like draw to the other uh, Eternals that was like maybe non-voluntary, just like sucked him into the Unimind. I don't know because he didn't no, have the bracelets. I, I well, see that was another thing that was confusing too. So was that something that just appeared on all of them, whether they were uh, going to help or not? Or it seems like that. Oh, maybe that's why. It seemed like he left before the bracelets were ever created. Yeah. Him and Sprite both, I thought, left before they were created. But but seeing as how Fastos has basically just made random-ass stuff out of nothing, you know, as far True. as, like, the handcuff thing that he used on Icarus, it mm-hmm. seems like he can just create things out of nothing and they just exist where he wants them to exist true true okay so despite that being a really weird situation and maybe not what should have happened um icarus joins in and helps them in their fight and at the end of it all he flies into the sun (laughs) Um, yeah, right. And unclear. naturally you hear Icarus and you think, oh, Icarus, the one who flew too close to the sun, yeah. right? You know that story. And yeah. Like, I think this was a fun play on that concept of what people already know of the name Icarus. And I guess it brings up the question that, so is he dead or is he, are they just playing like a fun fan service to the character of Icarus and flying too close to the sun. Yeah. Uh, it's unclear whether... Is he whether... just flying back to where Ersham is? Or is he just is he just going to make a new 
fortress of solitude somewhere else. You yeah. know, like, can he even be destroyed by the sun? Right. That's not what it's like. Did he just like is, fly through is it? Is cosmic energy even stronger than is the sun, what the sun made of is? cosmic energy? Theoretically, yes, right? Yeah. Because everything is. Yeah. Like, so solar systems are. Even if he did fly into the sun. So maybe he was boosting his power. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. I don't believe he's dead. It just seems like it would be weird to kill him off. Yeah. But they did kill off other ones. And we kind of said, you know, this is... There's no way they're all going to survive this, right? Yeah. True. Like, even look at Sprite. Like, they kind of... They didn't kill her off, but they took her out of the equation, right? Yeah, they turned her human. Which I guess in a narrative sense, you kind of have to if you cast a child. Yes. Because Who can't age. She, yeah, because she's going to age at yeah. some point. So you can't really have her in the picture if she's going to age and your character doesn't age. Yes. But here's the question. Does she have power still or does she now have no powers because she's human? Like what are the, the rules of becoming human? I would think as a human you probably can't manipulate cosmic energy, but I could be wrong. I'm just literally she, guessing. She just gets cancer. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Okay, and then Druig, Makari, and Thena go into space looking for others. They're kind of on the search for other Eternals. So their mission is basically to empower other Eternals with the knowledge of the lie. Yeah. Of what they're doing in hopes that they will stop them planet to planet from doing it. Yeah. And then finally... Seems like a long long process yeah definitely with very little chance of success yeah and minimal payback because you don't even know like, even if you did go through the whole thing and like tell people they could be like no i don't believe you <laughs> i mean right and what if it starts like a whole new mind weary on other characters and yeah I, I don't know it just seems very interesting the whole idea that they're gonna try to turn all these people to help their cause to stop it yeah and again, do they look like them? Because that would be an interesting way of keeping characters in that died. Theoretically, right? Yeah. Because from what I understand, Selma Hayek said she's signed on for multiple movies. Oh. So does that mean she's got flashback scenes in the future? Or is it her character will be around as far as a different android or maybe... Somehow her character just comes back to life. Like, I don't know if there's some comic concept to that character. Yeah, but, that's interesting. Um, if that's true, then that means she's not necessarily dead or going to be used in a different capacity, right? True. Okay. And finally, Cersei, Kingo, and Fastos remain on Earth. But unfortunately, Erishim arrives and gets all butthurt. And, and he ends up taking them to be judged by the Celestial Court or whatever... Um, for their crime of killing Tiamat. Yes. Which he, was interesting because I was like, so they're just going to be punished, right? But it's like, oh no, well, we'll try you and decide if yeah. Earth was allowed to be saved. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, how does that work? You even have So that? you're That's second kind of guessing surprising. your first opinion then? Because they were the ones that decided mm-hmm. initially. So the whole it was a very interesting idea. That they were even going to entertain yeah. the possibility. I was confused why only they were the three that were brought to the to him at the end. Like, yeah, clearly he can just grab them from wherever they are at any point and just pull them into space. So one, I guess, is it implied that Sprite wasn't brought because she's now human and not relevant? So why wasn't 
any of the others on the on the spaceship brought over. They so, were also a part of the situation. So my theory with that is that Erishim knows is is able to pull them away from Earth if he knows where they are on Earth. Okay. Or that they are on Earth. Or but maybe like, the sh- maybe the the ship is blocking their their location. Yeah, it's possible. I basically think that because the other three are traveling in space, that that's going to cause okay a difficulty for. Erishim to get them out of it. Okay. And then I guess presumably even if Icarus is alive, he was trying to go against it so he wouldn't be a part of it. Maybe. Yeah. Although he did help technically. Yeah. So. True. Okay. I mean, it just seems like they would be more than just the three, but. Yeah. Obviously Gilgamesh is dead, so he can't be there. Yes. He's there in spirit, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> uh, question for you. Are the Deviants fully dead? Are they all completely gone? No. Is there one at least somewhere out there on Earth that's still alive? I think there's... Whether we saw them on screen or just, oh, there's another batch of frozen ones. Yeah, I think there's more out there. At least one. Because I was kind of surprised they killed off Crow. Yeah. Like So I, abruptly. Yeah. It just, you know, it kind of goes back to Marvel doing like their weak villain designs. Um... Which I guess comes back to that this movie was not about the Deviants. It was about yeah. the internal struggle of the Eternals. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the whole grand scheme of it all. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the movie. Um, so let's move into our mid credit scene. We, uh, we got the reveal of Eros, a character that people may know from the comics. He is played by Harry Styles, who uh, tween girls know everywhere. <laughs> Um, I guess he's doing some acting these days, so that's cool, I guess. Uh, Eros is an Eternal from Titan. He's a brother of Thanos, and he's kind of known as a fun-loving, easygoing womanizer who is eventually forced into, uh, fighting his brother after Thanos attacked Titan, attacked Titan for the first time. Basically, he was like, I'm just trying to do my thing, and then Titan, and then Thanos tried to fuck Titan up, and he's like, well, wait a minute. We can't do that. And then they worked against each other. And he's known for being able to control others' emotions by stimulating the pleasure centers of their brain. Um, there's a lot of different controversial things that he's tied to in the comics, so presumably they're going to go a different route for the MCU. I can't mm-hmm. imagine they'll be doing... Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, in this end credit or mid-credit scene, mm-hmm. they you know he calls himself an Eternal. Yes. We've just been taught this whole movie that Eternals are robots, androids, whatever you want to call them. They are space robots. Yeah. Thanos, as far as we're aware, is not a fucking robot. Yeah. In fact, I think we've seen him bleed many times. Yes. I don't know if that has anything to do with whether Eternals are robots or not. Yeah. I don't remember if they bled, but nothing about Thanos came off as a robot, as far as we know. Yeah. So, how is... I guess my question is, how is he... The brother of Thanos, but also an Eternal who is a robot. And I think that is potentially where the possibility of the Eternals that we've met in this movie having an origin of some other... I think their minds maybe come... That's my theory, is that maybe their minds originated as Eternal, like as beings. And then they were repurposed... And their bodies were reworked and made by the Celestials to serve as essentially his. So it's the plot of Skyline. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> their their brains are taken out and put into yeah. yes. dummies yeah. to do the 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 bidding. The, the bidding yeah. for an it, invasion. It is absolutely Skyline. You're right. <laughs> Spoilers for the movie Skyline. True. <laughs> so I, <laughs> someone's like, I was just about to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple of things to note about Eros is in the comics at one point he joined the Avengers. There's a plot line where and he that was basically the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, which yeah. we've already gone way past with MCU yeah. and the, the MCU. And so. that's actually where he gained his name Star Fox, because usually he goes by Eros of Titan. Um or the Prince of Titan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Crown Prince of Titan. Um there's another storyline where he goes looking for Gamora after Thanos' death since he thinks that he could be reborn in her body, um, which leads to the creation of the Dark Guardians and a partnership with Ghost Rider. So that maybe is, I don't know, who knows if that's... Mm, I think there's talks that Ghost Rider's coming to the MCU. Yeah. I know there was a Hulu show that they were going to do and then they canceled that, presumably because they want to use the character elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're going into the, the large construct of magic. Mm-hmm. With the MCU, you know, yeah, we got Doctor Strange, Wandavision mm-hmm. did it, so we're heading there, I think. Yeah, another concept in the, I don't know if it's tied to the Gamora stuff, but there is another concept of his character in the comics where Thanos does get his head chopped off and killed, mm-hmm. and he tries to bring his brother back, and in so in a sense, he's kind of like a. A villainous character in that yeah he has his own agenda to bring his brother back yeah so the correlation seems to be there that he has some agenda mm-hmm. by the this end credit mm-hmm. or mid credit we know thanos had his head chopped off in this yes mcu yep are we seeing an early eros trying to bring his brother back and maybe something happens where he has to decide that he <laughs> Is making a bad choice by bringing Thanos back. Yeah. Like, are we seeing, like, an early version of him that could not be the character we know through comics? Who is a good guy? Right. That's a good question. Because I have a lot of questions as to, like, how he just fucking shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. One of those is possibly explained by, I think his name is Pip. The Yeah. The, the, the worst little, thing of this movie. The troll. Pip the troll. Um, Played by... Patton Oswalt, which he's everything in the fucking MCU, I feel like. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wasn't he a voice of somebody else? MODOK. Oh, right. He was MODOK in the Hulu show. Yeah. But I feel like he was also a voice of somebody else at some some other property. Either way. Either way. Just find other people. Pick a a roll. Um, Okay. So it's revealed, though, that Eros has a communication sphere. Um a celestial communication sphere. So mm-hmm. it's possible that that's how... So is he the prime eternal for his quote-unquote group of eternals? Maybe. And by that definition, then, does that mean they do all look different? That's a that's still a maybe. <laughs> I just have to question if he's a true eternal or if he's just calling himself an eternal for whatever his goal may be. Yes, he does have a history in the comics pretty standardly of being kind of... Using his powers nefariously. Well, also, like, I got heavy early Thor vibes from him, mm-hmm. right? It. He's got this little mascot who comes in and introduces him with, mm-hmm. like, a billion different names. Yeah. And yeah. 
you know, it's like very like, oh, look at me. I'm important, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And not so like humble. So yeah. it's hard to take him as a, a good guy, I guess, yeah. at the moment. Yes, that's a good point. But it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this character. And I'm interested to see where Harry Styles can go with the character specifically because I, I mean, I don't know, maybe he's in something else, but he's, I'm just, I know I, him as a pop star. So. I honestly didn't even know who he was. Yeah. I had no idea. I saw this scene, still yeah. didn't know he was anybody of he importance. He sings that watermelon uh, sugar I knew song. the characters of importance. I didn't know the actor right, was anybody right. of importance. Yeah. Until after and everyone's talking about, uh. Watermelon sugar, or whatever. Watermelon fuck it, sugar, yeah. Whatever it is, and that's giggity giggity. I don't know. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see where that's gonna go. It was kind of like not something that I was expecting, but I guess mm-hmm. I should have. I don't know. Yeah. I think it just it, this just brings up the big question of is he a robot? Is he a person? What does this mean for his relationship to Thanos? Mm-hmm. And how is that going to play out? That's my biggest question out of all of this. Yeah. I know it should be what's to happen with the Eternals going forward. But like that's like second to me to like the grand scheme of what's happening with the Thanos side of this. Yeah. Because it's more important. To me it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We got an after credit scene as well. Which is kind of exciting. There was a little, a few teases throughout the movie about it, but we kind of got an official Black Knight tease as yeah. the after credit scene. The whole movie was basically a he's gonna be somebody. Yeah, yeah. You knew that Kit Harrington isn't gonna just be a random extra love interest mm. in a movie. And shout out to the fact that they did not use him as a love triangle situation yes. with Icarus. Yeah. Because I was expecting that from the trailers, mm-hmm. and it was not at all present in this film. Yeah. Which, did you catch the, the irony of those three characters, by the way? Two two actors from Game of Thrones. Oh, and then her name was Cersei. And then they were going after a character named Cersei. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't catch that. I did think it was... I didn't even think about that. And then yeah. it was like on the internet, like, laughing about it. I'm like, oh... I didn't even realize that yeah. is such a Game of Thrones context right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so early on, and I think in the movie, Cersei gives um, Dane the ring that she said she got it on eBay. Yes. And she's like, it's your family crest or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, given the fact that she's been on the planet for 7,000 years, I don't think she bought it on eBay. Yes. Like, she just had it. Or, like, what, she found it in some ruins or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, she, I think she knew what it was, though. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe she did know and she wanted him to be able to have some kind of longevity of life to be with her longer. Maybe, because she told him to reconcile with his uncle. And I don't know particularly who his uncle is, but I know uh, he's got well, the importance. Again, not fully aware of comic stuff, but I do know that his uncle was a villain in the comics who also was the Black Knight. The Black Knight. But he was like an evil side of it. A different Black Knight, yeah. Yes. So, um, there was, like, we talked about a few teases, and then there's one point in the movie that he's like, oh, there's something about I wanted to tell you about my family, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
He never gets to it, mm-hmm. of course. He spends more time talking about wanting to be a giraffe than he yeah. does yeah. <laughs> about his uh, ability to become a fucking black knight, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when we get to the after credit scene and we finally see he go, he walks up to this old ornate box and you see the um, inscription on the, I think it's on the inside that says, Death is my reward. Yes. And. Uh, I think it's translated, but yeah. Okay, right, yeah. It's translated from whatever language, but it's clearly um, a super old fucking sword, and it's like, yeah. okay, obviously some shit's gonna it go down It looks like here. something out of Lord of the Rings with, yeah. like, souls just floating around it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we get another little tease of audio. Sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? And that somebody has been revealed to be Blade. Yes, uh, director... Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Said, said it, it was Blade. Blade, which didn't know that. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I heard the voice, and I even now knowing it's Blade will stand behind <laughs> my initial instinct that it truly, to me, sounded like Nick Fury. It did. And then I saw the movie again, knowing it was Blade, and I was like, okay, listen, listen, listen. Uh huh. Still sounds like Nick Fury to me. <laughs> Which Nick Fury would be weird too. Yes, and when I first thought, I was yeah. like, "That's really weird." And yeah, very lazy because like, oh, we're just gonna recreate the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, end credit scene. But like, knowing it's Blade makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But it also is like, but he doesn't sound like Blade to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm excited at the idea of more uh, fleshing out. Kit Harrington as the Black Knight. Yes. Now, I guess the question is, how are we going to see him next? Is he going to have his own movie? Is he just going to be another sub-character of the Eternals? Is he going to show up in the Blade movie? That's what I'm thinking. Think because... They'll, they'll reintroduce him in Blade? Yeah, like, since they've already introduced that connection, I think that's going to be... Is this going to be like a Master Apprentice type thing? Is he is Blade he... recruiting him to help? Uh, they, they do in the Midnight Suns? You know, we have a video game coming out based off this group of Marvel characters. Mm, interesting. So, are they? Was that something that they designed to push for then having movies later on with these mm-hmm. characters as a group? Hmm. This is a very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, this you know, I, ta- I talked about Spider Man a little bit in the beginning of this whole thing. Depending what Sony's trying to do and what their plans are with Marvel. Morbius is a movie coming out in mm. January of next year. Yeah. Blade would be the most obvious character to tie to Morbius if they are still playing in the same playground. Okay. Otherwise, Spider-Man's probably going to be leaving the MCU, right? And yeah. That's not really relevant. But, like, I am curious if this is all tying together mm-hmm. in a narrative like that. Yeah. Because we will be getting Blade in the next uh, two years, I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, that's pretty much all of our actual movie and credit scene content. Um, we've talked about a lot uh, of ties. Like, that... well, so, basically, they just kind of set up more eternal stuff, right? There was yeah. nothing really grand scheme as far as we know. Right. It doesn't seem Presumably, like... Blade is tied to the Eternals, as far yeah. as we're aware. Yeah, I mean, I don't... To me, that's like completely new because to me, Blade is 
the Blade movies. <laughs> Vampire Hunter. That's yeah, all I know. I don't as, know right? anything about. I literally didn't even realize he was Marvel until like I don't know a year oh, yeah. ago or whenever it was like revealed. He was yeah. That was like the whole thing where Marvel was selling all their properties yeah. to to make movies because uh-huh. they were basically in money problems. And yeah. So Blade was one of those characters. Yeah. So that was all new to me, but I'm excited for it. Um, so we talked about quite a few different things throughout that were kind of ties or references to the, to the greater MCU, but we have a couple more little details that maybe we want to talk touch on before we give our final report. Uh, well, one Fastos, you know, there was the scene where they go to to recruit him again, yeah, right? Yeah, and Icarus says something about what is this table like vibranium or something? Yeah, to me is that felt like an implication that he's tied to vibranium, like he. I don't know. I don't want to say created it, but like its existence is tied to the character. Yeah, I got that vibe too. But when I was reading, trying to do research for this episode, I, basically some people were saying like they, he was just thinking that he would have ha- had access to vibranium to make or invent something mm-hmm. crazy. Well, theoretically, you know, in Black Panther, they they established that it was a meteor, right? Mm-hmm. But theoretically, it was there long before they were. Yes. So, so they don't know it was a meteor. Because I think it was like, like, said that it was like uh, eons before. Yeah. That it's been there. Which is so, 1,000 million years. <laughs> yes, as we've been told. Not a billion. Not a one, billion. 1,000 million. million. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it just seems weird that, I guess just the reference is just supposed to be like, hey, see, we're in the MCU. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's other stuff that's tied to yeah, us. I think that's supposed to be just comic relief too mm. for him to like slam his hand down and just disintegrate the yeah. table. <laughs> yeah. And then like. Product placement, presumably, for Ikea. Ikea. Yeah. Okay. It just felt like there was something more to it. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of on that topic, too, like, his tech felt very much similar to Shuri's mm-hmm. from Black Panther. Like, that's true. Obviously, he probably made it first, if that's the case, that there's a link there. But, like, his ability to make the, like, the hand cannon things that he did, mm-hmm. and by the end of the movie, Felt very much like what Shuri had in Black Panther and like Infinity War or whatever movie she was in. Yes. Where there was like the panther fist that shot yeah. energy. Yeah. That's a good point. So I feel like there's got to be some kind of tie to their technology and him creating stuff. Yeah. There very well could be. Or he's just kind of like behind the scenes throwing like a... <laughs> he threw I... the meteor? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will need this here. I was kind of thinking it would be really fun if the meteor was the cause of the extinction of the dinosaurs. But this movie kind of implies, as we said earlier, the deviants killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. So that would contradict that whole idea. Yeah. Although, do you think it's possible if the deviants were sent to kill the dinosaurs and then the celestials were like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to take over the world. So then they sent a meteor to try to kill the deviants. Yeah, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Like, shit. Okay, I guess now we have to make Eternals. They just killed the rest of the dinosaurs, and they're like, yeah. damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So whenever they show up at Fastos's house, they're introduced as, like, Sylvia and whatever the other name is. I looked that. That is apparently... I, was it Isaac? Isaac, yes. Those are apparently names or alter egos that they use in the comics. Oh, okay. So that was, like, little tiny Easter eggs, too. Okay. Gotcha. Friends from college. Yeah, see, they use that line multiple times in this movie. Yeah. Like, all of them used it as a joke at one point, and I yeah. felt like it was so overdone. Yeah. And they were trying so hard 
to make the joke from Thor friends from work. Yeah. And it just didn't work for me. I think that was just stupid. Yeah. In this. But we did get a a reference to Thor. Like a young Thor. Mm Mm-hmm. Kingo references that, like, a young, you know, Thor, Thor when he was young, around. he used to follow him around and, like, look up to him. Yeah. So, that was kind of a fun little idea. But it also implies that Thor knew about Earth and had been there many times before the first movie. Yeah, which is confusing. Yeah, because it seemed like he hadn't. Yeah. Unless I just misunderstood the whole... Unless he had as a child and he'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm sure there's many other Easter eggs and things throughout the movie, but we kind of gave you guys a good overview of what we were looking at. And uh, it's time for our final report after we've sliced and diced our way through this movie. First up, the anus. Um, Which is what we think was pretty shitty or we hated about the movie. For me, um, I really didn't like that... uh, Icarus was portrayed very so similarly to Zack Snyder's Superman. Um, to be fair, Richard Madden did a great job if that's what they were aiming for. So it's not his performance that I hate. It's just mm. the idea that that character was based off of him. Because well, I just um, we also don't know how the character plays out in comics, though, right? Fair enough. So for all we know, that is the character. It might be accurate. And Zack Snyder's Superman is very similar to. What they've done with the comic. Yes. It could be comic accurate. Fine. I just don't like it. Because it. I immediately was rubbed the wrong way by him. Mm. And I would rather have kind of liked him. And then be. Have been betrayed. You know. Okay. So he wasn't likable. No. I From the start. I immediately disliked him. Because he was so stiff. And like weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like. There's something off about him. Okay. See, so. I didn't really get that vibe. I just got it was just. He's just not a playful person. Okay. Maybe that's He's just, just here me. for business. Yeah, he's <laughs> got a mullet. Yeah, he had a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was the black suit Superman with yes, the mullet. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that that's for that's the anus for me. How about you? Uh, honestly, I know it was like deemed like a really minimal part of the movie, but to me, it took a lot out for me. Uh, the whole idea of not being able to interfere with Thanos, it just mm-hmm. I cannot get past how unrealistic that seems yeah that's true with their grand scheme plan it just seems like there's too many loopholes and plot holes and just a lot of holes that needed to be plugged <laughs> a lot of holes speaking of which i don't i, I gotta bring this up <laughs> okay <laughs> is it me or is it weird that dane whitman is all cool with the fact that cersei is actually a android and he still wants to like be in a relationship with her. Okay, but does he know that she's an android? Or yes, by the end of the movie, it all comes together and she she tells him all okay. of this. And when they're on the hill before she gets yeah, taken yeah, yeah. for judgment yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he's like completely cool with it. And he's like, I still want to be with you. Yeah. Like, he just wants a sex doll. Okay. He wants a very lifelike sex I mean, she's obviously displayed sentience, so I guess to him, whatever her version of Android is, is like, it does. it's fine. Yeah. It's basically I human. Guess. And then he also still had another weird reference to being, wanting to be a giraffe. I don't, yeah. it's very, I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. He's a little weird, but <laughs> it is what it is. 
Um, speaking of weird, the appendix. This was our recent addition to our final report. It's something that's pretty unnecessary. Um, in my opinion, the sex scene felt very unnecessary. Even a little awkward, if you will. You have to imagine how many people brought their kids to this. Because it's yeah. literally a kid's movie to an extent. Yeah. PG 13 Yep. You know, it's not like Suicide Squad. Yeah. Where it's blatantly R. Which and people you, still took their kids you, to, but I mean, yeah, that's the point. where yeah. we are in yeah. life. But um, <laughs> it just feels like... It, it kind of reflects that Marvel wants to take these movies, the MCU, to the next level to try to make them more adult feeling maybe yeah or maybe to try and get to that position of seeing of saying hey see we can be taken seriously for oscar nominations right yeah you know we we aren't just for kids we're not tricks yeah i'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination but i did not think the sex scene was necessary it wasn't and it was over long too like it was just like Eh, it just I mean, didn't and, and the implication, like, was there sand in there? Yeah. Did that make any... As a robot, does that bother her? <laughs> a lot of things that needs to be answered if you're going to go that route, you know? Yeah. How about you? What was your appendix? Uh, honestly, it was just the whole sprite subplot of being in love with Icarus. I felt like it was just kind of planted there to give her a reason to take the opposite side of everybody else. Okay. Uh, it didn't feel necessary, and it it was kind of tied to the whole like, oh, I'm a child, and I need to be, I can't grow and be a, um, I can't have a family, I can't do this, I can't do that, and even that whole thing to me was just kind of like, what are you talking about? Everybody's literally in this situation. Yeah, you're a child, but like, they're not aging either. So, to me, her whole like gimmick of why she's doing what she's doing just didn't work. Yeah, I I can understand why she was struggling so much with not being able to have the relationships that she was wanting to have. Because as a child, you just can't. I, just, but, I guess for me, it was like, okay, then have a relationship with somebody who looks like your age. Like, what's the fucking problem? Yeah, it. But that's not. It's not the same. Does thing. that make her a pedophile if she's kind of? She's like mentally seven. like centuries old i think but i mean technically that makes them all pedophiles by the gap in age right but for her it's probably difficult to relate for them they can relate to other adults for whatever reason okay like she probably can't relate to a child so much yeah she's not into barbies (laughs) that's probably a little bit before her age but okay okay well she can't relate to like going to to the mall notes in class or Going, going to the mall going to the mall and yeah Asking for Billy's number. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I felt like they did kind of focus on that a lot. And I can see why she was struggling, but it seemed like it kept coming Mm -hmm. up. It also kind of felt like they, because, you know, there was two different references. Like one was like, oh, you're Tinkerbell. And then later on it was like, oh, you're Pinocchio because you were now a real boy or girl. Like, cool. Disney just wanted to product place some of their other shit in this. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like. True. All right. How about the muscle? What were the strong and weak points of this movie? Um, for me, I would say the strongest point, or one of the strong points, was the CGI for the like cosmic energy displays. I think that was really cool, and like the deviants. I really liked the CGI artwork uh, for that. I think it looked really cool and 
was done really well. Um, I do think for a weakness, though, that I kind of wanted more information on what the Celestials are doing. Like, what, where are the other Celestials? Like, are they just, like, existing? Um, what's the plan? Are they the big fish in the pond, or is there someone bigger than them? Yeah, than? yeah. Are there Celestial variants, like we asked earlier? Like, I, I just kind of... I feel like there's so many mm. more questions I mean, to be asked. We probably should talk about this earlier, but, like... They're clearly setting up Galactus, right? Yeah. So here's my question. Is Galactus just another type of being that's in the pool of all of these beings in space? Or is he going to be redesigned as another celestial? Um, That's a good question. Do you, I, here's what I'm curious about. What if they find the Eternals guilty mm-hmm. of their whatever trial judgment thing that you know we're told is going to happen at the end of this movie Mm -hmm. and earth is deemed one to be destroyed but because there is already a celestial that was inside the core it can no longer be used to Mm -hmm. create a celestial and maybe galactus is is the one that they send to go destroy planets that cannot be destroyed by internal celestial development because he consumes them because that's yeah. his whole gig yeah. is he consumes yeah. planets. Yeah. That's... That would be an interesting thing. And maybe that's the team up movie that we have to deal with is the repercussions of this movie getting Galactus showing up to yeah. Earth. Mm-hmm. So what are your uh, muscles? <laughs> oh. Strength and weakness. Uh, for me, the I think the strengths of this movie were uh, just the ideals of these characters and their their. They built these relationships. They have these relationships with each other, uh, whether romantically or just from centuries of being together. Um, And then they have to see this clashing of ideals happen uh, abruptly, really, you know, and it really just kind of I think that was the strong point of this movie that showed what happens to a group of people who you think are close and then you, you throw a wrench in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I brought up Civil War, and like I feel like this did what Civil War tried to do, but they did it better. Yeah. And ultimately, this movie was based around this group collapsing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The Deviants were the backstory. Totally. You know, they they were the background, like a side but they weren't they weren't the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they were essentially there just to give them their action scenes to mm-hmm. be able to shoot their powers and. Be like, well, see, it's an MCU, MCU movie. Yeah. Uh, but really, this was a lot more heavy dialogue mm-hmm. and, and set up for the future of the MCU. And I think I really appreciated the development of that. Okay. Through these characters, like, not agreeing and the consequences it, it creates. Yeah. As far as weak side, I don't... Th- um, I don't think they really did a great job with the concept of cosmic energy. Okay. And like how it gets siphoned and stuff. We kind of talked about this, but like Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like they were too vague on what exactly is being done to get that energy to a celestial. Yeah. And I wish they kind of did more with that. It it feels like they did three types of storylines in this movie and they just didn't have a great way of putting it together. They're trying to tell the backstory of the Celestials. They're trying to tell an origin story of the Eternals. And they're trying to set up 
the future of the MCU. Yeah. Along with some other characters. There's a lot like, of They had a lot of stuff they were trying to do. And overall, I think they did a good job, but there are some things that I think need to be worked on. And who knows? Maybe that's stuff that we're just going to get later on. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. Uh, how about the heart? What did you love the most or really enjoy about this? Um, for me, it was the historical tie-ins. Uh, I think that was just really fun. And I I mean, I would have liked to see more probably, but I think it was one of the more fun parts of the movie. How about you? I don't really have a part that I really loved the most. Overall, I just think they did a lot of good things with this film mm-hmm. to set up the future. Um, but just going back to the relationships, I just I think they did a great job at conveying the struggles of some of these characters Mm -hmm. uh, in what they want versus what they feel is needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some they didn't do the greatest with, but like the ones that they did do well with, I think they did really well. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to see how they go forward with those characters if they plan to. Okay. All right. Last item on our final report, the brain. What were the really clever or smart things or dumb things that we want to point out for this movie? Um, for me, I think the probably one of the clever things they did was Ajax's role in the trailer versus the movie. That was something that in the trailer, she was such a huge, uh, she's a main character. And so once we get to the, not too far into the movie and she's dead, I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like yeah. it was, I thought that was cool because it's so yeah. often these days with a trailer, they give away half the fucking movie. You know, this movie with the trailers and all that. We saw, I really was curious how much of a role some of these big actors were going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, I was, both of them, I'm just thinking, they're such big names. Are they Are they looking for a long run with these characters? Yeah. It's like, I can't imagine they are. So to me, it was like, these are what I expect to be short-term characters. And we kind of got that with Ajax, but at the same time, we're being told that she's got a multi- movie deal so what does that mean for the character yeah uh thena was the one that really surprised me because still going as far as we know she was a big pretty much probably arguably one of the main characters of the movie absolutely uh across from cersei so Mm -hmm. yeah the two of them i think really were the spotlight of this movie Mm -hmm. so for me the brain personally was uh, how they were able to open up the MCU from what we already know and expect into a broader construct and giving us a a, a universe that they can they can do many different directions with that we just yeah we can't even fathom what's to come next yeah that's a good point it really kind of expands the horizons I mean like if you look at the end credit stuff it's like okay they're going to like magic and shit mm-hmm. but then like the implication of the movie itself is like oh they're going space and the cosmic side which we do know when james gunn was going to be the lead on the next phase of the mcu it was themed after the cosmic side Mm -hmm. which we're kind of getting with guardians it seems and adam warlock and the marvels and so we're expecting all that stuff but they also seem to be going different directions and i'm curious where the eternal specifically will will shift yeah all right. Any final thoughts? This was a big one. Yeah. It, I mean, I think this movie was a lot better 
than I really expected. Mm-hmm. I I was going into this not really knowing the characters, not having much expectation, mm-hmm. thinking it was just going to be an origin movie. Mm-hmm. I think it stood out a lot, and we all know this was a divisive movie to people. Yeah. We know critics seem to have hated this movie. Yeah. It got really, I think, the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of all MCU movies. Yeah. I feel like the general census of the audience score was pretty decent, though. Mm-hmm. I just think the what stands out different with this one is the strong focus on slow dialogue storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was more about the relationships the build-up to the twist by the end mm-hmm. of what you expect from these characters and their their bonding mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And I think the fact that it didn't have as many epic CGI action battles as you expect from these kind of movies, I think may have hindered people's enjoyment of it. Because Possibly. it didn't feel like an MC movie. You know, the best I can describe this is it's, Marvel's attempt at a DC movie. And I think I've heard other people say that too. But like it feels like that's exactly what this is. Okay. You know, and that kind of ties to like, yo, that Icarus felt like Superman from Mm -hmm. the Zack Snyder movie. It's like, I feel like this movie totally felt like it was a DC film. And that's not to say it's a bad thing. But it was really enjoyable as far as what it was trying to achieve in my mind. I can't say I sat there bored Throughout this movie ever. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was... is not a short movie. It's two no. and a half hours. Yeah. Which seems to be the standard for Marvel movies now. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the general plot of this movie, kind of going to the DC thing, is it feels like the Watchmen plot of a team with internal struggles of different ideologies. And then you get a creature that have they have to fight it by the end of the movie mm-hmm. which was in the end brought there by one of their own okay that's a fair point spoilers for watchmen yeah <laughs> so i don't think this movie did anything as far as a unique storyline but i think it did a lot for setup for the future of the mcu yeah yeah that's absolutely it's it's a basic function. bitch story to give them an origin. Yeah. You know, we got a weak villain with Crow. Mm-hmm. Really, the villains were their own struggles. Yeah. In the end. So, it's certainly divisive, but I don't think it's a bad movie. No, not at I all. I think it's probably my second favorite of the Marvel movies this year. I'd say Shang-Chi, okay. this one, Black Widow, so okay. far. So, on that note, do you have a final rating? After seeing the movie twice, I'd say my final rating is it's a slice it for me. I think that it did a lot of good things, had some stumbles in there. It wasn't the greatest overall story, but it set up so much for what can happen for not just the future of the Eternals, but the MCU as a whole. And it got me invested in caring about new characters that we just got introduced to. Yeah. I, I also am going to slice it. I very much enjoyed, um, learning about these new characters, like you said. And I really liked a different kind of vibe for the movie. Like, it's a nice refresher, even though it's not what we're used to. And I do enjoy regular mm-hmm. Marvel movies, but it was it was a nice change-up. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to see a lot of these big-name actors in 
that are famous for things other than Marvel movies partake. And so I think that was a really yeah. fun experience to see, especially for setting up to see what's going forward. All right. That's going to do it. That is our uh, anatomy of the Eternals. Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate you. Please take a moment out of your day to go rate or review us on your podcast service. Ideally, if it's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, that would help us out because apparently that's what matters is if you rate people on there. Um, If you want to follow along with us on social media, check us out on Facebook, Dissecting This Fiction Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at DTFpod or check out our website, DTFcast.com. Or you can send us an email directly with content requests or suggestions to dtfpod at gmail.com. That's it for the anatomy of the Eternals. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>